title of my message today is Finding Yourself Starts With Giving Yourself Away. Finding Yourself Starts With Giving Yourself Away. The greatest things you can do is give yourself away. So often the church says a prayer of salvation, but their lives don't follow suit. Jesus, I give you my life, but have you followed through with the commitment that you've said before Christ? I give you my life. I give you my all, I give you my everything. But what does it really mean? When Jesus told the Father, I'll give my life, what well, he did, he gave his life. But not just once, every day he was giving his life for us. For someone who didn't deserve it, that wasn't worthy of it, that, that, that had no reason for him to, to give his life for us, other than he loved us. And if Jesus loved us that much that when we didn't deserve it, he was willing to give his life for us, how much more should we be willing to give our life for him who does deserve it? Think about it for a moment. We had no deserve of this. And he gives his life. I mean, literally every day. I mean, the persecution, the torture, the beatings, uh, the, the crucifixion. The, the sin he had to take upon him when he knew no sin. The pain that he experienced and felt for a bunch of people, and I speak for myself, that were messed up. A bunch of people that, that weren't doing things right. For, for those that were putting him on the cross, he was still saying, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. The love that was in him that was so passionate and so strong that continued to flow through him even through the hardest times. Yeah. We all ever get into a place in your life that you know, you're under pressure and you don't really show the love that you should show. Well, I'm, so I'm sorry. I, I was just upset. I was mad. You got to understand where I was coming from and I just wasn't showing love. There was so much love in Jesus that when he was under pressure and squeezed, what was in him had to come out, and what came out was what was in him, and it was love. Imagine living a life like that when you're under pressure and you're squeezed to, to the depths of that you're under so much stress that you're bleed, that you're sweating blood, but love is still just coming out and flowing out of you. Well, I got angry, I got upset, I got mad. Well, guess what? Get back up and say, Lord, I need to find more love. Lord, I need more love in my life. Lord, I got to show more love. Lord, I need, I need more of you. How do you get more love? It says God is love. Therefore, if God is love, get more of God to receive more love. Get closer to him. Have more. Get, eliminate things out of your life. So you can have more of him in your life. And when you have more of him in your life and other things are gone, guess what? You have more love in there that just begins to flow out of you. you say, well, pastor, easier said than done. Well, stop focusing on your anger issues and start focusing on the love. 
lot of individuals hate life because they aren't living the way they were created to live. We were created to know God, to have a relationship with him. We were created to give. <laughs> I love this. It doesn't say in the beginning that God took the heavens and the earth. What did he do? He created. He gave. In the beginning, God was giving life. That's what he does. This is God created them, that he basically gave it to man. Turn with me to John chapter 10, verse 7 through 10. John 10, verse 7 through 10, and let's stop and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time in your house. We thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for each and every individual here, God, those watching, those listening, that have come in or tuned in, Lord God, to hear your word. And Father, if there's any other agenda that no matter what it may be, that they still receive your word today, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Father, that, that there, your word comes forth with power, power to transform lives, power to remove the, as so we may call it, the ugliness in our life, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, God, I know that's, that's what you do, is you transform lives. That's what you do, is you love us. And Father, I ask, Lord God, that your love just, just comes upon this house tonight, today, Lord God, that individuals feel it, they experience it, Lord God. Father, that they have an encounter with you today, God, like never before, Lord. Father, my heart's desire is that people leave this place change God they leave this place on fire Lord they leave this place laying down the weight that's been weighing them down and saying God I'm running towards you Lord God I want more of you Lord God I'll do what you've called me to do God father that selfish ambitions are broken today in the name of Jesus Lord God father I ask that a desire for you and a hunger for you and your will just falls upon these people God father Father, I want to see this house, Lord God, going out, doing what you've called the body to do, Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord. And today, Father God, as I speak this message about giving yourself away, Lord God, that individuals leave this place saying, you know what? I can give more of myself to Jesus. Father, they don't leave this house discouraged that they haven't given enough, Lord God, but leave this house lifted up and equipped to say, I can do all that you've called me to do. And Father, we thank you, Lord, that when you call us to do something, God, you equip us to do it. When you call us to do something, you give us the ability, the capability, and the power to do it, Father God. And I thank you that you work that way in our lives, Lord God. I thank you that you still have power today, God. I, I thank you that it didn't decease in the book of Acts, Lord God. I thank you that it didn't stop uh, with Peter or Paul or God. But I thank you that today we still have the power to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, Lord God. I thank you that we get to see it, Lord God. I thank you that we're going into a time, Lord God, that we're going to see greater miracles than we've ever seen before. That we're going to feel your presence like we've never experienced or encountered before, Lord. And in the name of Jesus today, that it starts right here and right now. In Jesus Christ's name, Lord. Amen.
Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. John 10, 7 through 10, it says, Jesus, the good shepherd. Tell us about him. It says, then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he shall be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. What does sheep's love? Pasture. It says the thief does not come except to kill, steal, and destroy. For I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. That you may have life and have it more abundantly. I, I love this passage. He says, I'm the door to this. You want life and you want it more abundantly? Come through this door that I'm talking about. Find me, I and you and you and me. Find me when you find me and you seek me with all your heart. Come through that door. Come on through. He says, uh, you're my sheep. I'm the great shepherd. He says, when you come in and find me, you find a pasture. When you come in and find me, you find the greatest thing that your soul could ever desire. The problem is our, our minds have been taught since the day we were born that we need physical things. We need what the world has to offer. And he's saying, I'm the door to all that you need. I'm the door to fulfill your spirit, to fulfill your soul, to fulfill your desires. You think your desires are one thing, but you end up getting what your heart's desires have been, but you find no pleasure in them. You find no peace in them. You find no joy in them. He says, but I'm that door that you've been looking for. And if you'll just lay down everything and pick me up, he said, you'll begin to find great pastures. You'll begin to find rest. You'll begin to find peace. You'll begin to find what you've been searching for because you didn't even realize what you've been searching for, but it was me. And all of a sudden, we begin to find something new in him. We begin to find something great, something powerful. Let's go on to verse 17 and 18. It says, therefore, my father loves me because I laid down my life, oh, that I may take it again. Therefore, my father, he loves me, and I, because I lay down my life. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. He's like, even when I went to the cross, he said, they didn't take my life from me. I was the one that laid it down. He says, I had the power to overcome it from the beginning. I had the power to not go to the grave, to go to the cross. I had the power for all this. But he says, I laid down my life. It was my choice to do it. I laid it down for you because I loved you that much. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment I have received from my Father. Now listen, let's stop there and talk about this. He says, I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. This I receive from my Father, that all these things he gives us power and authority as well. Therefore, he has already given us the power of the strength to lay down our lives. A lot of times we may say, I just can't do it. It's just too hard. Well, perfect. Stop trying to do it and let God. Go to that door he's talking about. Go to him, find him. You're going to find life and find it more abundantly. And then you're going to find the power to lay down your life. And when you lay down your life for his cause, 
all of a sudden you begin to find the greatest life and you begin to experience life and life more abundantly. Well, we got one amen. Praise the Lord. The world, the church, is looking for life and life more abundantly. But where they're searching, where they're searching is foolishness. They search for things. The church is teaching God's people to search for things in the world and what the world has to offer. And if you'll find God, you'll have more of what the world has to offer. Why would I want to go to God to get more of the world? It's contradictory to what the word even talks about. I mean, I'm not supposed to be conformed to this world. Why, why would I go to a God that gives me life and life more abundantly, that knows the answers to everything, just so I can have more of the world? Aren't we supposed to be laying down the things of the world? If all Jesus could do for me was give me money, then I don't want to have anything to do with them. Seriously. If you come in here throwing your money around, guess what? I'm going to think there's something wrong. To me, it's a red flag. We've had people come in here and offer us tons of money to be my associate pastor. Offer us money for this and that. I'm like, devil, you know I see this, right? Sometimes he can be tricky and other times not so much. And it's usually, <laughs> and here's when it is, when you're praying to God, God, we need a breakthrough. God, we need a financial breakthrough. All of a sudden, somebody comes around flaunting their money. I prayed. This person showed up. The devil knew that I prayed and what I prayed, and he put someone in my path. But that's why you got to be discerning. That's why you got to have a relationship with God, because you can pray something. Next thing you know, it looks like an answer to your prayer, but it's actually the devil in disguise as an answered prayer. We could have said, well, praise the Lord. God answered our prayers. God does answer our prayers. But he ain't going to use the, the devil's stuff to do it. Then he has to ask God, if you don't know if it's him or the devil, say, God, I need you to reveal some stuff to me. God, I need you to show me some stuff. I'd rather go without the money and be in God's will than to have the money and be out of his will. Why? Because money don't bring happiness. It doesn't bring peace either. I said last week or the week before, the more things you have, you think it'd be less stressful, but it gets more stressful because the more you got to lose. And I realized when I had nothing, I had nothing to lose. You know when I found Jesus? It's when I had nothing to lose. I'm like, I guess I can try this Jesus thing because what do I have to lose? My pride? My ego? All that I have to lose is good things that I need to lose in the first place. 
A lot of times people can't trust Jesus because they don't trust themselves. Well, I want to trust Jesus, but I just can't. No, you don't trust yourself to trust Jesus. You don't trust yourself to give it all to him and keep it in his hands. But when you get to a place that you humble yourself and realize that you can't do it, you finally let God. I tell people all the time, like, just change now. Why wait until you get to where I had to get to change? Learn from my mistakes. I done played the stupid card. I did. I went down the wrong path. And so many individuals have. But why do people still have to keep going down the path over and over again? I knew that that path led to destruction. And guess what? I still went down it. I still went down the wrong path going, oh, I'm just trying to find life. I just want to be happy. And the more I tried to be happy, the more miserably I felt. But when I finally said, it ain't about me, it's about Jesus. And I went to God and I said, here's the deal. I'm ready to serve you. I said, even if I'm miserable the rest of my life, I'll do what you've called me to do. That's where our heart's got to get. But our heart is in the church world so much is I'm, I'm just serving God to be happy. Why don't you serve God? Because of what he's already done for you. Even if you're miserable the rest of your life, praise the Lord, he already did enough that, that he's given you life, given it more abundantly. He's given you eternal life. Amen. What if you're miserable for a vapor of, your li- uh, of eternity? Just a vapor. You're miserable. You won't ever remember the vapor. But so often, our serving God is for selfish ambitions. We preach it, oh, if you want to be happy, you got to follow Jesus. Why don't you just follow Jesus, even if you ain't going to be happy? Now, let me tell you, God will bring forth joy. Guess what he does? But so often, we're turning to him for what he can give us rather than what he's already given us. And then what happens is when we're not happy one day or we don't feel like Jesus is there, we, we feel like he's gone and we're, it's a mess and we don't know what to do anymore. Why? Because our following him was based on our feelings rather than based on him. I just don't feel like it. You know what I like to say is, you think Jesus felt like going on a cross and dying for our sins? I feel like dying today and being tortured the worst pain I could possibly go through and humiliated in front of everybody. No, he didn't wake up saying that. He woke up saying, Father, I'm here to do your will. And doing your will is what excites me. Doing your will is what brings forth joy. And I just want to do your will that I know that even a temporary pain that it will pass too. That I know that, that the reward of doing what I'm called to do is greater than anything that I could do being out of your will. And all of a sudden you begin to get to a place that you're willing to step out in faith and willing to give your life to it because of the fact that you know God is in control. Because when you get out of his will and you don't give your life to him, guess what happens? You're putting it in your hands. And how many of y'all know that your hands mess up? My hands with God do great things. My hands without God messes up. 
He'll anoint your hands. But when you walk out of it, what do you have? You got some stuff that's being used by a, uh, an unpure heart. He, but back to John 10. It says he received the commandment from the Lord, what? To give his life away. And that's also, if we give it away, God takes it and gives us something worth picking up again. He said, I have power to lay it down and power to pick it up. I lay down my life that I may take it again. And when we lay down our life for God, he does a work in it. So it's something worth picking up again. So often we feel like we don't want to go forward. We feel like things are terrible. We feel like it's miserable. We feel like we hate life. Maybe you're not to that place today, but I'm telling you what, be ready in season and out of season. Because the enemy comes to attack you. That's what he does. He lies to you. Have you ever noticed that his attacks are all blatant lies? A lie from the pit of hell. Lies that if it, were, if it were happening to someone else, you would look at them and say, man, you know this is a lie. It's very obvious it's a lie. Stop thinking that way. But when it comes against us, we go, oh, that's right. I am worthless. I'm never going to make anything in my life. This is terrible. I hate it. Oh, God isn't going to come through. Oh, the miracle isn't going to happen. Oh, this isn't this and that and that. And all of a sudden, we accept all these lies. But if you were the one in the other chair helping your brother or sister, you'd be like, you've got to open up your eyes and see you're listening to the lies of the devil. Because it's that obvious. But he likes giving us the, oh, poor you. Poor you. Look what... Look what you're going through. This is horrible. It, he knows how to spin it in your own language so that you'll just receive it. And this is why I talk all the time because I know that our thoughts and the lies of the enemy are one of our worst enemies. That I talk about putting those thoughts to captivity because our brains automatically want to dwell on that. So I, I've got a sermon in here. I haven't been released to preach it yet. I think I... I wrote it one or two years ago. It's about the brain and the way the brain functions. But one of the things, the way the brain, they, they found that the brain functions is that in order to have lived life back in the cavemen type days, before anything else, before a house of protection and so forth, that our minds, when something bad happens, that it triggers our mind to remember the bad things again so that we can have a self-defense thing. For example, a bear comes up to attack you, you remember that it locks that thought in of the negative things, not just so that the negativity is there, but that you remember, hey, next time I see a bear, I need to not go up and pet it. When the lion's before me, I know that that creature isn't good and something triggers in your head the next time that you see it that alerts you to be careful. But what happens in today's day and age is that same thing of negative thoughts and bad things get triggered over and over and over in your mind that now you get to a place when bad things happen that, that all of a sudden you become fearful, you become have anxiety, you have depression, you have worry, and all these things begin to happen because it's triggered something in your mind that you continue to focus on it. Yeah. That's why he says the renewing of your mind. 
to daily do it because he knows how the mind works and how when things are there, you'll begin to focus on it. So all the devil has to do because he knows how the mind works is put a thought in your mind and all of a sudden if it's a negative thought, you think of it. You ever realize that if, if God puts a good thought in your head, well, that's a good thought, but the devil will put a negative one, you dwell on the negative. Oh my gosh, I just don't know if I'm going to make it through what I'm going through today. You say, it's just so hard, I, I just this could ruin my life. But on the best case scenario, it could change your life forever. But what do you dwell on? You don't dwell on the thing that it could change your life forever, and good, you dwell that it could ruin your life. Because there's something that's triggered there, telling you, oh look, this is what happens, be careful. So you begin to dwell on these very things, and that's why Christ is saying, listen guys, this is your daily bread. You got to renew that mind in me over and over again because your mind, the, the natural mind, it wants to go back to the negative. But a mind in Christ goes back to the positive. A mind in Christ doesn't think about right now. A mind in Christ thinks about what God can do tomorrow. A mind in Christ doesn't think about, well, what about me? A mind in Christ thinks about, well, what about him? And all of a sudden you get to a place that you stop listening to the lies of the devil because here's what keeps individuals from stepping out on what God's called them to do is the lies of the devil says, well, what if this makes you miserable? Put it in your own words. Well, what if, what if it just doesn't work out? What if you missed it? What if it wasn't really God telling you this right now? What if you missed it? But the mind of Christ goes, God called me to do it. He has a plan and a purpose for it, and I'm stepping out of it because what, what if it changes the world? What if it delivers people from the pit of hell? What if I, I'm ministering or, or leading the next person that will literally bring the world to Christ? You may say, well, I've only won one person to Christ. Well, that one person could win millions. You don't know if it's the next Smith Wigglesworth. Catherine Coleman, who it might be. But it doesn't matter. All that matters is that you're stepping out in what he's called you to do. You know what Jesus could have done? I want to go to the cross, but what if nobody accepts me? What if I go to the cross and I die and I, my life was just wasted for nothing because people saw me on the cross, they saw me as a sinner. What if people believe that I'm a sinner? And don't, don't accept me. What if? What if this happens and, and nobody, and I waste my life. I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not willing to make this commitment, Lord. But don't we make those same statements to God all the time? I feel like I need to go out and do this, but what if they don't accept it? I feel like I need to go across the room and speak to this individual, but, but what if they don't like it? I feel like I got a word for somebody, but what if I'm wrong? What if you're not? What if the word was the word that was going to save them from the pit of hell? And I know this happens because I've seen it in my life so many times. It's even happened to my life with someone else. That if they wouldn't have stopped the service and interrupted their plans for God to speak, I wouldn't be here today. Because I was on my last limb ready for suicide. But guess what? Someone else said, you know what? What if I miss, what if I don't do it and they don't make it another day? 
What if I don't be obedient and they don't make it to heaven? What if that blood is on my hands and they were obedient? What if you started thinking that way? What if their blood's on my hands? Y'all still with me today? Listen, we don't have to be something that looks good for him to want our lives. Because he's in the restoring business. Or better yet, he's in the making all things new business. How many of us have used that excuse before the Lord? You know, I'll give you my life, but certain things I'm just not going to do because I'm just not good enough. I just don't have the talents. I don't have the giftings. I don't have the abilities. I, I just can't do it because we always have these excuses why we can't. But what if in our I can't, we remember that Christ can, and that now when I can't and I do, God can get the glory. You know, I was thinking even yesterday, as I'm studying the Word of God and I'm reading and I'm praying and worshiping, and I look to God and I just say, That is such a miracle that I can even comprehend any of this. It's a miracle. I couldn't comprehend anything. But with Christ, all things are possible. And I look to God and I cry out to him. I go, God, you're just such an amazing God. I'm sitting there studying for the message and just worshiping him. And I'm, I'm reading and I'm just comprehending things. And I'm like, God, that's not me how you can do a work in all of us if we'll just let you lord and god is looking to do a work in your life he's looking to do something that you couldn't do he's looking to take a people that know i can't do it but you can therefore why should i try i'll just give my life away and when we begin to give our life away, all of a sudden we begin to see God do things that we couldn't do. And it begins to bring great joy because we know that God is doing a work in us and through us. And then in what we can't do, God does. And all of a sudden lives are changed and you're going, if I would have had the ability to do it, a life probably wouldn't have been changed because I would have been doing it by my own strength rather than his and all of a sudden you get excited knowing that God is doing something, knowing that God is, is pouring out his spirit, knowing that God is working in and through you. And you get excited to step out into the unknown. You get excited when God calls you to do something you can't do by your own ability because you know that you won't be able to take the credit, but God and God alone can. And when God begins to take the credit, God begins to move. And the more he gets the credit, let me tell you, the more he moves. And it's the most incredible thing the way God works because he's just looking for people that are willing to say, I can't, but you can. I can't, but I want you to. I can't, but if you call me to it, obviously you have a plan to make this come to pass. 
He makes all things new. And when you remember that he makes all things new, when you get to a place that you say, well, I don't have the ability or the strength to do that. You go, but then again, you make all things new and who I was doesn't have to be who I am. And what I couldn't do when you make it new, I can do. So all of a sudden, the, the weakness is you begin to boast in your weakness. You begin to understand when, when Paul talks about boasting in things, boasting in your trials, boasting in your weaknesses, knowing that God's going to get the credit in the end, knowing that God is moving, knowing that God is going above and beyond, and he's working because you've given your life that he's able to move. Many of us give one area, and the only time we see God working is in that one area. Then we say, I only see God in one area of my life. I can't give him more until I see him working in the other areas. Well, he can't work into in them until you give it to him. Once you give him those other areas, all of a sudden you'll see God working in those other areas. What area you to struggle with? Give it to God. And imagine this. The areas that you aren't struggling in but you haven't given to God, imagine how much greater those areas will be if you give it to God. If you're already doing good with something, imagine how much greater God can make it. You can only take it so far. My son with the weights, he's getting into working out. And he'll begin to lift weights, and he can only take it so far. But guess what? When the father comes, as he's doing his bench press, another one, another one, another one. Keep going, another one, another one. And guess what? As I'm helping him, it's making him stronger. He's doing things that he couldn't do without me. But when he allows me, he can say, no, no, I'm done. No, I'm done. I'm not doing it. It's all I can do. That would be all he could do. But when he allows the father to help him, he says, father, I need you in this. All of a sudden now he's able to do a lot more than he was ever even imagined he can do. You say, was that really fair? That's the way God created it to be. God didn't create you to live alone. God didn't create you to live without him. He actually created you to have fellowship with him. And then in the midst of the fellowship builds trust. And in the midst of the trust, you begin to realize, I can't put all my life in his hands. I understand that if you're, you're a baby Christian today, and 10 years later, you should not still be a baby Christian. Can I get an Amen. But if you're a baby Christian today, I understand that you may not be able to put your trust in every area of your life in his hands. I want to encourage you to, but it doesn't mean you will. Why not? Because you don't trust him yet. You can trust him, but in the natural, sometimes it takes time to build a relationship to trust him. Now, another preacher may come up here and say just the opposite. No, you need to trust him right now. Yes, you do need to trust him right now. And it shouldn't be an excuse, I just don't know him good enough. Because I believe when you encounter God once, it'll change your life forever. And all of a sudden you have an encounter with him, and you go, I can trust him with my life. And that's what you need, is an encounter with God. And maybe you ain't had that encounter yet. We'll keep building the relationship up. And all of a sudden one day, it'll just trigger on you, and you go, wow, I trust God with my life. I trust him. But that first step is, hey, I'm coming to the altar to receive Jesus Christ. That first step is accepting him as your Lord and Savior. Say, God, I don't know too much about you, but anybody that would give his life for me, I think I can trust. Anyone that had no sin but would take my sins on a cross for me, I think I can trust you. 
And then you did that, but you had the power to overcome the grave after you died through on the third day. You can do that. Let me tell you. Yeah, I'm going to trust you because not only do you love me, but you got the power to do a work in me and through me. And that's the Jesus that we serve. 